You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopoly through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Listeners, welcome to the show. Well, this week uh, I'm catching up with an old friend of mine, Yanis Zilligakis, who we've spoken to a couple of times about the pressures in Greece. He's a lecturer at the Mechanics Institute in New York City and uh, a scientist. Last week I uh, talked about the UN high-level political forum and... uh, Uh, One of our listeners got in touch and he absolutely loved uh, a quote that I referenced. Trickle-down economics has uh, proved a spectacular oxymoron. Torrent-up economics far better describes the realities of wealth distribution. Giannis, is that a good point for us to uh, uh, analyse what you saw at this uh, side event you visited to the UN high-level political forum last week. Fill us in on uh, this right-to-the-city type uh, discussion that occurred at uh, New York's uh, legendary New School. Yes, uh, that was a satellite meeting organised by the you know, International Affairs at the, at the New School. So uh, they had many... Uh, representatives, the U20 agenda, which was drafted in uh, Argentina, and now it's catching on like a a wildfire. And basically, it aims at urban design, uh, making cities more inclusive, I guess, and uh, basically giving the right of access to every citizen every person who belongs to, to a certain uh, urban area, a certain city, to, to be like more inclusive and more uh, fluid also in how people can go from one part of the city or partake to any activity, to activities that happen uh, uh, all over the city. So it touches issues of uh, transportation, affordable housing. Uh, but again, the controversy, it sounds very good on the surface, However, I think I find them a little bit short-sighted, not a little bit, very short-sighted, because they focus on what we economists call the economies of the margin, basically of low low economic value. And communities which are not well integrated with the economy, and basically they want to... they try to figure out ways of like improving like transportation so they can make bigger parts of the city which are like kind of like disjoint, uh, ghettoized, and make them like more integrated with uh, with with the rest of the city. Right, and uh, what professions have been driving uh, this type of discussion? Uh, I know this term placemaking seems to be a very popular term uh, in certain circles these days. Yes, and uh, as, as, as a physicist, I'm very, very interested in the concept of space, physical space. But, of course, in a city, in a human environment, space, is very abstract and actually doesn't mean anything for a human being. Place is what makes sense. Place 
is uh, space with the added uh, cultural, economic, and social uh, layers that uh, human beings add to, to physical space itself. So that, that's the whole concept of uh, placemaking. Yes, which uh, the planning industry uh, seem to uh, be well across. And I know that the right to the city type movement has um, quite a strong uh, leftist bent. But uh, certainly there, there's so much concern when it comes to homelessness, uh, uh, the inequality in uh poorer regions, all these sort of issues are uh, super important. But uh, I suppose the point from a Georgia's perspective is that when they don't really look at the role of economic rents, it's uh, it's a bit of a piecemeal uh, form of analysis. It doesn't look at the really big drivers that are pushing so much change so rapidly through so many large cities, so many cities of any size. Absolutely, this is this is a global a global pattern, and there are two key points to to, to stress here. Uh, one of which is which I, I I I rarely, if at all, people mention, is that the bulk of the rent exploitation, as I call it, it's not just exploitation exclo- exploitation through uh, rental extraction that happens actually in the bulk of the city on the part that the right to the city. Uh, intelligentsia completely forgets about. Okay, so so that's 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 the the first aspect that the uh, the, the most exploited part of, of of a city population are what would people think are the most affluent ones, what we we would call the middle class, or here in a place like New York City we would call them the white collar workers. So in New York City today, and not today, I mean always, uh, people actually who do have this uh, so 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 thought um, uh, high-end jobs. Uh, now, for example, we had uh, Google coming in, all these tech companies coming into New York City and creating, uh, buying uh, big blocks of building, uh, creating many like tech jobs uh, in the six-figure salary area, which is considered very high. However, uh, if you do if you do a little bit of arithmetic, you realize that none of these white collar, these so-called privileged or affluent or middle class workers, they cannot even make it in the cities where they live and they work in the highest part of the of the of the labor echelon. These are high skilled, highly educated uh, workers, and they still with the salaries they, they, they make, they cannot make it, they cannot live. They cannot afford to have a family in the place where they, uh, they live. So that's a big issue that's left out of these discussions about the right to the city, about the modern discussions about inequality and inequity. Uh, that's the, 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 the first point. Now, the second point, which focuses, which, which is about the, the, the place-making kind of like a rhetoric and how we can integrate the, the, the less affluent or the less integrated uh, part, well, that's also a ploy, that's also a scheme that is going to actually be used by rent extractors to extract more rent. So more transportation lines, beautification, parks, even uh, welfare subsidies or to create jobs 
for like less affluent or less integrated uh, communities, guess what that's going to do to to land values? It's going to raise them. So rentiers have got us from both sides uh, of the uh, of the game. From the right, they 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 take advantage of the of the um, of the economy and the technology frontier. They collect on that end, and they say, "Oh, by the way, oh, did, did this progress has, has created lots of poverty on the on the back end of society? Hmm, okay." Let's do some uh, embellishment, some integration projects, and guess what's that going to do? That's going to increase rents on the on the other side as well. So it's win-win for the rentiers, and that's something that that many well-intentioned and warm-hearted people from the left also f- most often fall prey to without realizing it. Yes, it's just such a challenge isn't it to keep on top of all of these issues that hit us and to stand back and look at the big picture analysis is uh just what's so key uh, where do most people spend uh, their money and you're saying that all these tech workers are priced out of uh, the communities they live in by basically property investors who have deeper pockets and recognize that they can extract this rent over time and uh, it's uh, it's a great wicket when it's uh, barely taxed. So uh, that drives workers uh, to these uh, mega commutes that more and more people are uh, enduring, uh, hopefully listening to this podcast as they travel an hour each way to work, uh, stuck in traffic jams or or waiting for trains. So, Yanis, uh, uh, you attend a lot of these conferences in New York. Do you feel like there is uh, a, a better understanding of uh, the role of economic rents in driving these issues, or are, are we uh, seeing this sort of clasping at straws? I know in the Right to the City movement there's a lot of talk about rent control. Where does that fit into the picture? Rent control is an attempt to, to regulate the, the extreme uh, social ills that are generated by rampant uh, rent-seeking. So they say, okay, uh, the, the elderly or the, the unemployed or let's say an, a newly immigrant family that can, cannot get high-end paying jobs, they cannot afford the current uh, high rent housing. So how about we create, we protect them and we create a small sliver, 15%, let's say, of the housing stock. Let's force it. Let's, let's have the taxpayer subsidize the difference between the small rent, the rent controlled component that the disenfranchised, the poor, is going to, is going to pay. And then the rest is being paid by the the, the average uh, taxpayer, uh, and that's that 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 gets done in two ways. First of all, uh, one is a direct payment, which is, happens in cases where there is then uh, we have programs here in uh, at least in Europe called SCRI, like senior citizen uh, rent increase um, um, uh, insurance or something like that, and then there is DRI, which is protects disabled people against rent increases. But what these programs do is they allow the landlords to increase the rents, but it's the taxpayer who coughs up the, the difference. The person who lives there 
has a stabilized rent, okay, but then the, the increases are 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 um, are covered by the the taxpayer. So this this is this is uh, an, another way that rent seekers can have the taxpayer and the government subsidized through so-called social welfare programs at their high uh, rents uh, that they, they, they are demanding. That's uh, one, one, uh, one way. Now, the second way, which is more uh, sounding like a market mechanism, is the developers are going to the city and they say, well, you need some affordable housing units. Okay, I'm making this new building. I'll give you 15% of my apartments to be rent control, like low rents. However, I'll get to write off um, uh, a big part of my tax dues. So again, they win because, you know, and actually in New York City, it would be cheaper because New York City has been doing that. It has different programs that they do these tax abatements for developers, okay? And it actually, in the end, it proves that it would have been cheaper for the city to outright buy the apartment and give it, let's say, to the to the to the to the uh, affordable uh, tenant, rather than giving the tax abatement uh, to uh, to to the to, uh, to the developers. So these are all well-intentioned schemes, but actually which do not work. Mm. And. Uh, and New York City is a, is a, is a very is a, is a lab is a social lab that actually uh, helps uh, elucidate some of these um, um, uh, mishaps in social planning and, and engineering. You're on 3CR's Renegade Economist uh, with your host, Carl Fitzgerald. And this week, we're in discussion with Yanis Zilagakis, an academic from the Mechanics Institute in New York City and uh, discussing the right to the city movement uh, that's coming out, that's growing out of this frustration at the commodification of housing in America at the moment, uh, we're seeing some rather extraordinary uh, facets, a divergence between the rental market and the housing market where uh, house prices are actually uh, uh, reducing in the rate of growth, but uh, rental prices are actually increasing, Giannis. Now, uh, what do you think is driving uh, that sort of change, that that uh, that that puts out some uh, alarm bells to me when I see that. The, the divergence between rental prices and home prices? Yes. Yeah, actually, actually that, 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 that's a very, very interesting trend, which actually signifies, if nothing else, the death of the proverbial American dream, which is you have the house, the white picket fence, and the family, and, you know, that's, the standard dream of the of the of the average uh, family household, then you see that 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 trend is like evaporating into uh, you know just a um, fizzle just in front of our eyes uh, because right now ownership is not is not even a, a remote dream for most Americans and and they, and again that that has a positive aspect because ownership of land is 
the biggest fallacy in human uh, brain because we cannot own something that we didn't make and no human being created the, the earth. That's why sometimes it's good to be religious because religion puts the creation component to an abstract entity called God and with that way they stop any any human being from claiming that they own uh, God's creation. So that's a, that's, that, that, that's a good thing. However, as human beings, we also like to diminish risks, okay? So the only way that, that, uh, that the modern society has managed to negotiate that is you have more human beings uh, condensing into urban centers is to give each human being like a sense of belonging by allowing them ownership of land, okay? Uh, however, in the U.S., that has... Uh, you know, uh, there is no more free land since the the end of the of the Homestead Act, which is around like the late nineteenth uh, century. So, so this this urge to own land, what it did is uh, increase land values, and the people who had the first dibs of ownership, they were able to cash in big from this increased demand, and then they priced out other owners. And then they became uh, land ownership became very, uh, very concentrated, and you see right now that people cannot afford to pay. You you work for thirty years in a decent job, and then you can barely afford to to have to 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 buy your, your own home. So home ownership is it's something is an illusion that I think it's a sad but necessary consequence of the home crisis. Mm. Uh, of the, we, we started in 2008, but it's still ongoing. Mm. And its ongoing uh, manifestation is the difference between rental values, which are increasing much higher than, uh, than home values. Mm. Because, as most, most people realize that they cannot own, they say, okay, I'm going to be a perennial renter. Okay, so 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 the the the, the landlord says, aha, so now you're going to be renting for for life. Okay, so I'm going to be increasing your rental prices. The difference between renting and owning is that eventually after you own, you don't need to pay rent or you can charge rent of people who come into to, uh, to, uh, to the to the to the land that you uh, that, that you acquired. But. Um, but now, as people cannot afford to buy anymore, you know, then they are uh, stuck in this perennial slave cycle where they're going to be left, uh, how shall I say, uh, unprotected against the higher rental uh, rental demands of landlords. Mm. And I think, as you as you know. Uh, the, 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 there is uh, there are uh, funds like uh, Blackstone, which are ac- actually use the, the the subprime housing prices to actually buy land for dirt cheap. And actually, this is a scheme that now Greece is being set up for. So right now, homeowners Greece was a, a, a country with very high percentage of home ownership, more more than eighty eighty uh, percent. But as, 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 as the economy collapsed, okay, now what, uh, what happened is that the, the land taxes were increased. Okay? Now, 
prima fasce, a Georgian might say, okay, that's a good thing, that's a Georgian thing, but that's not exactly true, because George differentiates land, a land tax, from a land value tax, these are two different things. A land tax, so when the homeowner cannot, doesn't have a job to procure the fundamentals to, to pay for the upkeep of his house, and then he's been stuck with property taxes, okay, eventually he's going to lose his home. So that's the difference between a land tax and a land value tax. A land value tax would actually would not penalize the, uh, the, the, the homeowner for, from improving his, uh, his house, the capital component of his, of his property. And then he, he would be able eventually to find the, the optimal use for, uh, for his land. So right now, Greece is, is not helping its working class which is the, 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 the largest part of the, of the homeowning uh, population, they're sticking them with higher and higher taxes. I think that's what's going to lead to is big, a big wave of foreclosures, which is actually is underway, okay? Then the, the, the hedge funds, the, the globalized re, uh, re, uh, rent seekers are going to buy up Greek land for dirt cheap, like it has already happened in the United States. And then they're going to make the native population enslaved in uh, become perennial renters, they're going to rent them back the land that, that, that they always had. Yeah. So, so, it's, so it's really amazing that these schemes are becoming globalized and they have a similar pattern and logic. Giannis, I'm so happy you're onto it as well, mate. It is horrifying what's coming through with Wall Street now targeting the rental market. And uh, with the incredible portfolios they're amassing, you're right, they want to crash the economy. Now they have these rental back mortgage securities uh, uh, all lined up, uh, the rating agencies, the big superannuation funds, they're throwing their money at them and uh, they want to crash the economy so they can buy up cheap and uh, enforce this neo-feudal future. It's, uh, it's so scary, isn't it? And for me, it's it's been... Uh, what we're probably seeing in America with this divergent between rents and prices is that rents are often uh, sticky. It takes them a long time to go to start moving upwards and then house prices lead the way and then rents start to fall back again. But uh, uh, with this uh, long period of the growth of casualized working, uh, people can't afford to uh, save up for that deposit for the home. So all around the world, they're trying to push this build-to-rent model and get more tax breaks for these big developers so that they can set up uh, these sort of smart cities of the future where all of our data is uh, basically spied upon uh, when we turn the lights on using our uh, the app on our phone and the automated curtain opener and all these things will get fed into... Uh, big data pools that analyze the way we behave so that the corporations can sell us uh, uh, the perfect uh, product at the perfect price for our income set. That's why I gave the last, the talk I gave on June 9 was called the trifecta of inequality. And what's the trifecta? Okay. So uh, number one of inequality, uh, number one driver of inequality is the enslavement of the worker. In other words, try to find all kinds of ways to push wages down because then you can get 
workers to work for you for cheaper. And that's what slavery was. And that's the number one process that's driving. That's what's behind outsourcing. That's what's behind uh, immigration. That's, it's in one way, is either by increasing the number of workers or outsource jobs. And then that, that's how you can, you can, you can, you can, uh, you can puppeteer workers into accepting to, to, to work, to, to work for, for peanuts. So that's the number one driver, uh, enslaving the worker. Now, the number two driver is milking the consumer. Okay. So milking the consumer is exactly the process you just described. So these tech companies, they want to get our psychological profile, our consumer likings and all that, not for, 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 for what reason you think, so that they can uh, predict and exploit our uh, habits, our vices, our addiction, and say, okay, so you want to buy this so I can able to, 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 to stick you with a, with a higher price. So that's all about exploiting, uh, robbing the consumer. So enslaving the laborer, uh, exploiting the consumer, and then guess what? After you've done the first two, the consumers, the people that we extract rents from, they run out of money. You know, either they don't have jobs or you know, their average wage has gone down because now they've gone into more precarious uh, conditions of work. Now they have part-time work and they have less. So they have less means they can consume less. What the, 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 the solution which completes the trifecta is uh, milking the taxpayer. So when society has social issues, have the taxpayer provide the money that the economy can. So you see, it's a triple whammy of exploitation. And also when the taxpayer, also when the government doesn't have enough taxes, guess what they're doing? They say borrow from the unborn one from the unborn taxpayers. That's when the, the concept of debt comes in. So, so you see these this vicious circles of this spiral of enslavement. And we have to wake up. And we have to wake up, uh, I think, primarily as consumers. So I'm advocating for a BDS, for a boycott, divest, and suction of any rent-seeking activity. So this will take a big and strong social movement. That's where, where our, where, what we should be marching for. Not, not about uh, abortion or uh, marriage rights. These are, these, are, these are ornamental issues which do not deal with the crops and the substance of the social tsunami, the economic tsunami that's coming to hit us. And that's what I call the left mostly complicit because they try to divert our attention to marginal issues instead of this big 800-pound gorilla, which is in the same room. That's it. It's a game of diversions, isn't it? And I often joke, uh, how much economic pain can people take before they spend uh, an hour a week studying up this uh, ancient story talking about how those who own the earth have a huge advantage over anyone trying to earn a wage or run a business? And that's where the tax system is meant to act as a counterbalance to these natural advantages uh, people who own monopolies have. But uh, we've been convinced through this uh, trickle-down economics uh, frontier that it's all about uh, uh, supply-side reform and removing red tape and so forth. Well, as the concentration of uh, 
uh, housing supply grows amongst the big uh, housing construction companies around the world, we see these trends such as that in America at the moment, the um, production of detached housing is running at 936,000 homes for the year, which is half what was produced in 2006. So uh, for those who are locked out of housing, relying on somewhere to rent, not wanting to live in a dog box uh, uh, sky tower, uh, they're looking for a home with a little bit of a backyard to feel like they're connected to the earth, to their community. But, of course, the the housing uh, construction has been wound back to force those rents up to ensure that uh, both rents and land values continue to escalate so that those owners can then lean on their banks and say, look, our land values have gone up, lend us more money so we can buy more land and keep in front of any, any sort of uh, future generations coming through. Exactly. Listeners, you're going to have to jump onto the podcast to catch the next 20 minutes or so as we dig into the most important issue to the four walls that surround our lives. Check the show notes, earthsharing.org.au. Exactly, Carl. It's scary. But I, I believe from the three fronts, the labor front, the tax front, or the consumer front, I think the consumer front is where the struggle and the resistance should start. Because the other ones are more protracted battles, and also because of the way politics is set up, that also will take much longer. Because it's very easy to confuse politics and then switch sides, corrupt politics, and then delay any progress that can be made either through labor unions and then, uh, or, or, or through um, doing a meaningful tax reform through the uh, political process. These two avenues, they're well, they're well pursuing, worth pursuing, but the resistance has to become from the grassroots, from the micro level, from the individual, it will have to start with consumer behavior, and then next will be as citizen behavior, like our, our behavior in uh, like which politicians we, we, we vote for and what rhetoric we allow ourselves to rally behind. Giannis, uh, you really think that the consumer is where we're going to be able to... Uh lead this fight back i mean already we've got people involved in community gardens trying to grow their own food getting rid of packaging trying to do all the green things uh but in the end anyone who owns the land near those community gardens is uh laughing all the way to the bank because uh, everyone wants to live near a good community garden okay of course i mean that there is no uh, there, there is nothing, uh, nothing uh, uh, wrong with that. I mean, uh, production of food is not the problem of humanity. I mean, we've solved that problem. We can feed double the population. So it's not in the, in the, in the production uh, of, of the uh, goods that humanity needs that uh, the problem rises, but in the uh, attempt 
to to mortgage humanity's future. That's I think that the virus that's plaguing us today. It's this fear or this um, this quest to own the future that is the bedrock of the rent-seeking behavior and the 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 urgency to uh, to hoard land to hoard uh, any means of production that are going to yield uh future economic value and that's the model which is unsustainable and i think the if we veer our production even as consumers we understand the decomposition of the price of any good and service that we put our hard-earned uh, dollars, Australian or American or Canadian, or British pounds or euros or Chinese yuan into, we, 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 we are going to be we're going to be big in our own homes if we don't manage to to separate value from obligation, which is what uh, the, the rental markup of any price uh, any price good is, and the value from production, which is the the value that was created by the people who created and marketed and distributed that, that, that product, we're going to be the ones funding our own demise and the, and, the, and the corruption of our own political system. So we are the, the first culprits. We have to understand that. It's not some, yes, the corporations are evil. They have their own agenda. But at least we shouldn't be the useful idiots of that agenda. And we shouldn't be giving our money to the people who, uh, who initiate these vicious circles of, of, uh, of rent-taking. That's, that's what I'm trying to, to, to get at. Mm. I want broader awareness and, uh, um, and class concerns. The classes today is, is if you are forced to pay rent or not. That's what makes the economic classes. It's not uh, the bourgeois or the working class or the proletariat. Is Are you enslaved by being stuck and forced to pay unproductive rents in every price item or, or service you are, you, are, you are procuring or not? This is, this, this is the, 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 the modern class division. And we have to start developing that awareness. Otherwise, we're going to be puppeteered against our very own interests. That's, that's my take. Excellent, Giannis. Uh, just one thing, if we can just, uh, I might edit this back in, but you were talking about the difference between land taxes and land value taxes. Uh, for me, that difference is uh, land taxes are a tax on land price whereas land value taxes look at the valuation of land. And the difference between value and price is similar to uh, what you just discussed between value and obligation. And that is uh, the obligation price is a higher price that's enforced due to some sort of scarcity manipulation. Uh, mm-hmm. Essentially what a speculator can con the market into paying, whereas a land value is based on what our wages can actually justify uh, paying for this location. Is that what you right. were trying to get at? Yes, yes, yes. And, and today these two are decoupled. Uh, let's say if I'm a Greek homeowner and I have to pay my mortgage, let's say, and I still have 15 years to, to, to pay it off, and now 
because because of the way the economy is, I cannot find a job or I can find a part-time job, there is no way I'm going to be able to, to service uh, my, 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 my debt. So, so the, currently, the, uh, the, the, the Greek banks, which hold uh, a big bulk of the, of the uh, uh, they call the, the distressed uh, loans, because they need cash influxes, they're willing to sell my loan to an outside to an outside investor at a huge reduction at a huge discount, but they wouldn't give me the same discount. So, so, so you see, that's that's kind of like the 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 paradox there and of course they they try to say well it's a moral hazard but but they they don't um th- th- there is kind of like this uh favorable stance towards external uh investors because external investors also enjoy uh they will enjoy also preferential uh tax uh treatment for them to say okay you want me to buy this but okay now i'm investing in greece i need uh, you know, no, uh, no taxes for me, but me, as a, as a, as a, as a Greek citizen, if I want to buy a distressed loan, then I'm going to be taxed as a Greek citizen with very high taxes. So, so you see, the, the, there is, and we call, you know, we call this system with this uh, perverse and unequal tax treatment, we call that like a democracy and an equitable system. No, that's, that's not. That's, that, that, that's a system of, of, uh, of uh, preferred privileges and preferred set of people. It's not a free market by, 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 any, uh, by, by any stretch of the, of the imagination. So, so, so these are issues that we have to, to fight with because the, 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 the rent-seeking elite, call them hedge funds, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they have different other sanitized ways to be, to, to be calling themselves. They, it's easy for them to corrupt uh, a few parliamentarians and get laws according to them. Me, if the, the, the Greek politician wants the, the, the voice of the Greek citizens, he has to go to all of them. Good luck. That happens every four years. And even if it happens, that there is no way to get a concerted and, and well thought out um, um, uh, uh, opinion from the demos, from the uh, from the citizens. So that, that, that that's why we 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 have degraded democracy just to to voting. We don't know what we vote. We vote for one thing and then something else happens. So that we have also a big crisis in the in the political uh, arena as well. And uh, you know we have to fight for our democracy as well, especially in Greece to deliver an economic democracy? You know, most of our discussion today was on the pessimistic side, but there are big, 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 big optimistic uh, signs as well. Uh, Number one, because you get Georgist ideas coming from every side of the political spectrum. And let me explain what I mean. So the the recent, uh, there were two sides coming unbelievably, from the Trump administration. No, nobody was expecting it. Number one was, or tra- the, the, the talk about trade is in the Georgist uh, line, because the, uh, not, not having tariffs doesn't mean that you have free or fair trade. So uh, 
so, so that issue, even though it's not brought up by people who think of in the judge's way, but the fact that the current status quo of the trade system was not being challenged, and now, right now, is challenging. It's been challenged, okay? And by people that traditionally would be right-wing people, that, I think, is a very positive sign. Because people realize that there is a rent, a monkey rent wrench, shall I put it that way? I don't know if I put the, 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 the right order there. A rent monkey wrench in the trade system, which creates skewed playing fields. And when you have skewed playing fields, that means that you have rent, uh, rent extraction from one side of the, uh, of the trade. So either the U.S. is underpricing itself or uh, China, for example, is overpricing itself. Either or, it's, there is an imbalance there. And, and the, the fact that is, this is being talked about I think that's a positive thing. Another positive thing was that the big, which didn't, we didn't get to into the radio program, was the infrastructure. That's what I wanted to talk about, because the infrastructure is now the new hot uh, topic. Uh, China has the land bridge and the new Silk Road. Uh, there is a big talk about infrastructure here. There is infrastructure projects in Africa. And infrastructure is going to be the new challenge because it's through infrastructure investment that the new rent seeking is going to be is going to be the, the new rent seeking scheme and actually i had the chance to raise that issue in uh, a chinese delegation that was giving a pr uh, event here in new york city and they were touting the, the the new silk road all this new activity and i told them that this is exactly sounds like the railroad uh, land uh, land speculation schemes that we had in the in the Robert Barron era here in the United States, where you know where the big trade route is going to be developed, and then you buy up that land, and then you make up big on the ensuing increased valuation from the ensuing economic activity. And the Chinese had no, they, their jaws dropped. This is like they, they didn't know how to to. <laughs> to counterattack that. Mm. So, so we have big, big, big ground. And actually, Trump, bringing back to Trump, Trump said in his infrastructure bill that guess what? We're going to use land value capture to finance those, 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 uh, um, those infrastructure projects. So that shows you that people understand the mechanism of I, put, I have the public put the infrastructure and then I collect privately. So the fact that land value capture was used by the Trump administration is something very positive because that comes out of the blue, out of left field. It was not expected. But people think in that direction, and that's a positive thing. On the contrary, on the, on the progressive or, or left side, you have the governor, the governor of New York, Cuomo, okay? Big, big Democrat. He may, he may run for president in, in, in 2020. And he's also mentioned land value capture for, uh, um, for uh, financing state infrastructure projects. So you see, when you see so disparate uh, political um, groups and people thinking in the same way, converging in the same way, that's a very, very positive thing. So it could, it could be a time which is, as they say, before the dawn is, get the darkest, so we could be in, in, in that moment, but we have to seize it as Georges and be proactive and keep hammering 
the George's uh, theorem and the George's syllogism and the, 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 the George's ideas to these people because they don't think that way. So it's not guaranteed that they're going to go that way. They think that way, but they may not follow that path, or they may follow a compromise path that 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 that, that may not be as uh, uh, fruitful for uh, the society and the economy. Well, Yanis Ilagakis, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Renegade Economists. Uh, always uh, insightful and uh, great to have your perspective. Thank you, Carl, for for the invitation. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you know, um, 